This is an episode that I didn't think we'd be doing. Earlier in the day, we, meaning the Salumas team, we had an absolute fire, yet somewhat controversial topic that we were going to discuss, and we were all sitting there talking about the importance of treading lightly with what we were going to say. About 30 minutes later, we received word of the passing of NBA legend, MVP, Oscar winner, person who just influenced so many people in the world and Kobe Bryant. Pause. Holy shit, is this for real? Is one of the greatest players of all time, the Black Mamba, the one who simply wanted more, the no bullshit, flow-ready, stone-cold killer on the court, is he gone? Yeah. Yeah, he is. You see, no matter where you are in the world, no matter your political affiliation, how much money you make, your sexual orientation, religion, gender, any of it, the one and only thing that we all share is that we will all die. You see, the universe always keeps score and death is always undefeated. Kobe taught the world so much about work ethic, execution, and above all, always challenging yourself. There isn't anyone on this earth more critical of Kobe Bryant than Kobe Bryant. When people would celebrate him scoring 40, 50, 60, 80 points in a single game, it was the Mamba himself who always had something to say about how he could have done better. You see, he understood what it meant about putting oneself through the grinder. And that's why in this episode, we're going to put Kobe Bryant, rather our thoughts and our perception of him through the grinder. In typical Salumas fashion, we try to see the world differently. We try to offer a candid and informed approach to the human condition because I feel that what the world lacks are people willing to see the world right or wrong in a way that makes us all think and make us question ourselves. Because like Kobe, you can only be as good as you are now, not as good as you were before, and it's on us to strive to be better, and that 100% means running yourself through the grinder to get better and discover parts of yourself that you may or may not have known were even there. In this episode, we take a new and heavy event like this, and we ask ourselves, why does something like death, specifically death of someone that society holds in such high regard have a seemingly larger effect than the death of a member of our community or the thousands of deaths that occur every single day by things that we could possibly prevent if we just wanted to prevent them. This is by no means us being insensitive or uncaring. In fact, I believe that we switch gears because we do care a lot. Kobe Bryant meant so much to people like me because while he was insanely talented uh, athletically and a caring husband and father, he was also hyper aware. He had become what some of us call flow ready. He was able to tap into his ability, ability to achieve flow state on or off the court. Uh, and when the moment was right, he would hit that. And it was just, oh my God, it was, it was insane being able to watch him. And in my universe, that's kind of like being a Jedi or something. His respect for his strengths was equal to the recognition of his weaknesses. And at least from what I saw, he welcomed anyone who strove to surpass him because we all stand on the shoulders of giants and it's our duty to be better than they were. And that's part of the legacy that I feel like he left. That being said, I hope this episode does make you think. We obviously talk about death. We objectively talk about objectification and its place in the human psyche. We talk about legacy 
And most importantly, we talk about why each and every one of us should be doing everything we can to put people in a position to live a life worth mourning. Again, I hope that this episode does make you think. So take your time, relax, and listen to episode 909, Kobe. different type of uh energy for for this episode i won't lie we obviously we had a different we had a different topic that we were going to go over but in light of recent events uh, the passing of kobe bryant um it's really gotten us sort of thinking about just life uh life death in my opinion also legacy also just thinking about caring about other people and I feel like this might be a little bit of a sausage making session or maybe even a down the rabbit hole type of thing. I don't know, but uh, I, I just want to be able to put the whole thing through the grinder. Like, go, were you going to say something? Well, I, I mean, I, I think that it, it could be pretty concise. Scoot that mic in a little bit. I think it can be pretty concise and straightforward. I, yeah. I, I don't know as we have to go down the rabbit hole to address something like this. Okay. <clears throat> well, I guess the other thing, you know, before we started going is like everyone, we, we, it seems like we do tend to objectify those at the top and I'm doing my air quotes and I feel like there is this, I don't know if I am sad or bummed that, that Kobe's gone or am I bummed that I, that I, treated someone like they're an object well listen this is an interesting thing i think don't get me wrong um in in theory i think that a lot of people um like the bill cosby accusers Mm -hmm. i don't know exactly the number of individuals that came forward women Mm -hmm. that came forward but it was copious amounts of people that were that were harmed by this man as determined by a court of law Mm -hmm. um I think if we're honest with ourselves, though, we wasn't sitting around sad about what happened to them women. We were sad that Dr. Huxtable yeah, wasn't the person, dad wasn't the person that, that we thought he was. Exactly. So I think um, when somebody like this, like I don't give a fuck about professional sports, really. Yeah. Like I, I just don't. Um, I can appreciate somebody who's a superior athlete, and I'm up enough on current events that I know who's who to yeah. a degree or whatever, but. When I found out that Kobe Bryant had died, I don't really have any kind of meaningful dog in that fight. Either. Sure, sure. And I experienced some modicum of a feeling of loss. And I'm, it got me thinking, I'm like, why do I even have this feeling of fucking loss? Especially yeah. with the way that I look at things and what I do for a living mm-hmm. and the loss that I, the genuine loss that I've experienced. And I think it very much goes back to what you were saying is that um, anybody that's in our lives in any capacity, whether that be somebody that we interact with on a meaningful level or somebody that just almost represents a symbol in in our lives, they all get objectified to varying degrees. It just really depends on what you do with that objectification, how how meaningful that shit is. Get out, Ernie. Get out. We got a little visitor. Give me one second. Let me shut this door. Keep going. But- Honestly, uh, 
I think uh, whenever we end up mourning somebody like this, at least from my perspective, we're not so much mourning the individual as we're mourning ourselves and like something that we thought or, or a piece of, of what we thought reality was some nostalgia. What, what the fuck ever, you know, you heard, yeah. you hear that the dude that uh, voiced Leonardo on the original Ninja Turtles pass away or something. Some yeah. little piece of you mm-hmm. is sad about that shit. But the fact is we, we exist every day. And it doesn't, most of us, it doesn't plague us that thousands and thousands of children die every day from preventable disease. Mm, Yeah. Easily fucking preventable disease. So where's, why is there a disconnect there? Yeah. I think that that there is a, there's a connection though. And I think for some communities, especially at the time where that Kobe, you know, began his rise there, um, even though obviously and stuff in the sport, African-Americans are always looking for another African-American to be able to step up and to be able to take the limelight. And I think that in the time, obviously Jordan was there for a lot of uh, black kids that were in places where all they had was basketball. I think the same thing was there with, with Kobe. Obviously it's there with LeBron. Um, And that's where I can think where there's, one connection type where I also don't feel so bad about the about feeling bad about it. Maybe not thinking of it in terms of object of objectification is that he did have like, if you think of all the, the amount of players in the NBA that are there because they watch Kobe Bryant. Do you see what I mean? Like, and I don't think of it. I don't think that those kids objectified him there. They were like, I can, this might be all that I have. This might be my only shot. There's a ton of athletes that are in there where it's like, I have nothing else, but this talent that I'm, or this ability, I'm going to try and hone in on those skills. And I think that, that his game and just his mentality did bring a lot of people out of, of their current situations. And, um, I thought that he was, um, and still is a, a role model. For me, though, it's and I and I guess I am saying that right now. It's it's legacy that was always the thing, but I feel like the people that don't understand legacy or don't care about it, uh, when you are a person in in power, it's um, it's very hard to to think about that. I I, I don't want to make it sound like a like a racing, but I don't feel like black people objectified Kobe. <laughs> I think that he was like someone that that. That we wanted to, we saw him as a leader. Well, and but but I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to. I don't think that those things are mutually exclusive. Sure, sure. I think that I think we overwhelmingly assign the notion of objectification this pejorative quality when in yeah. reality it's just a natural human mechanism for making sense of mm. things. That so, that is what we do. Yeah. yeah. So if we do the same with God, right? <laughs> we and, humanize God. So yeah. really, it's it, it's kind of semantic. Sure. Sure. It, really, it comes down to um, the chemical and electrical processes that are associated with his memory or your memory of him in your brain. Mm-hmm. And that's going to vary from individual to individual. So it's going to be a more meaningful loss, mm-hmm. even if it still is an objectification. And people can be selfish and have the best intentions at Absolutely. the same time and not mean it. That's very human. Yeah. So like looking to somebody as a pillar <clears throat> 
for all these good qualities still can very much gloss over the fact that you're not mourning the individual on the basis of, like you said earlier, that he's, he was a father, mm-hmm. um, a 13 year old girl, his daughter passed away. Assuming as well. that it seemed like ESPN said it. Yeah. Yeah. His, yeah, his daughter um, was there too. Like we're, we, it, it's less mourning who Kobe was fundamentally as, as a human being. Yeah. It was your image that mm-hmm. you had, created based upon information that you had in front of you of yeah. Kobe. Yeah. And and again, I, I can't help but think that that still resides in the realm of objectification and making that acknowledgement. It, it, it doesn't make it, uh, it doesn't make you a bad person for, mm-hmm. for having objectified him, but making that fucking acknowledgement and mourning that loss. Cause it is a loss to you. Mm-hmm. A, pe- and, and- a piece of you is gone and it's okay to mourn a piece of you yeah. but um do you want do you know one thing i feel that some people it's like a fucked up way to mourn is they'll buy his shoes you know they'll buy the shoes it they'll find a way to 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 sell obviously to sell them because it and i'm doing my air quotes it has more value now i think people will try to exploit that right there well, yeah and it's uh it's you know you can <clears> think of Adidas or Nike or whatever brand that he he was, you know, had a contract with, they're going to make some kind of legacy shoe or something like that. And it's just like all I, I bet a bunch of companies see is just dollars. OK, right and, and, and there you go. And and that should underscore how much of a commodity human life is yeah. and, and that the loss of a human in almost invariably increases their stock value. Mm. Like when a musician passes away. All of a sudden, somebody that lightweight, like was an amazing talent, the totality of their career, the moment they die, automatically they get elevated to a different status. Yeah. So I think that very much also underscores the fact that we put these people in a category of complete and utter objectification, whether it be adoration mm-hmm. um, and what you can do for me, the feeling that you've given me, the inspiration that you've afforded me, that's ultimately ended up at the end of the day, been self-serving. And again, mourning, if, if, if you're mourning somebody in terms of, holy shit, uh, what, what about that man's family? Like, like Kobe no longer, he, he's just, what was 41, 41, just 41 years old. He know now if you're mourning, if you're thinking about things in those terms, if you're sitting around and you're really um, deconstructing things as much as you would like losing a fucking family member, Mm-hmm. And and even and this is ground that's treaded as lightly as possible, even losing a family member. It's not mutually exclusive. There are objectified fucking elements to almost well every interpersonal relationship that I can imagine. Mm-hmm. And you have to make that acknowledgement in order to transcend and treat people like we were talking about fish love. Yeah. To treat to go that extra mile and be like, OK, what was my genuine investment my selfless investment in this individual Mm -hmm. um but and most people it's not anything right there is no selfless investment it's a financial investment but these people but as somebody that's experienced a whole lot of loss over the past like two and a half years and almost like and and brushes with loss over the past two and a half years um with people that were close to me or people that were pillars of my existence like my uncle george who passed away um uh about this time last year, it was in December of not, not last year, but December of 2018, he Mm -hmm. passed away. Um, 
I didn't spend a lot of time with my Uncle George. I didn't yeah. even make it to his funeral. It was all the way on the West Coast. He was almost 100 years old, but he was an author and he was an attorney that had, you know, fought Monsanto. There was a chemist for Monsanto. And it was just this big romanticized thing in the family. He was also the family historian, somebody that made us very proud to be different, like to to ambiguously show punks, you know, conventional society like pre-segregation with white folks and be treated like an equal, at least face to face, be sure. treated like an equal, but at the same time, knowingly separating yourself on some level, and then there be an acknowledgement that you were different on another level. Right. And again, there's there's some elements of like, <clears throat> you know, some of my ancestors like not taking ownership of having black ancestry. Like, well, well we're Italian, or we, yeah, are, yeah. Uh, Portuguese, we got, a yeah, but of this. but don't don't get me wrong, plenty plenty of people that that have passed have done it through various means. But yeah. anyway. I digress. My uncle George passing away. Whenever I I coped with that, I I the immediate thought was again it it was this objectified individual that represented all these concepts and my own personal identity and my grasp of what it was to be a human being and reality and shit like that. I processed that shit and that was the first level that I had to get to. Then I and then I started to think about my interactions with him when when I was a little kid and shit like that, and how meaningful that was. Still, as meaningful and loving as those interactions were with my uncle George and how much I looked up to him when I was a little bitty kid, still it's all self-serving fucking things. I I really, I really didn't do anything to knowingly invest in my uncle George. Mm -hmm. I didn't. And I don't think that he sat around sad about it. Like, I, yeah. I don't think because he's a bad motherfucker and he was just doing his fucking thing. But if I think about it, a lot of my mourning regarding my Uncle George, the majority of my mourning, he's my great uncle, but um, had to do with me. It was mm -hmm. it was just me, like a piece of me was gone. Yeah. So whenever we hit these points where we see somebody that's passed away, like a public figure, a musician, uh an athlete, objectified, uh, model individuals that are in the public sphere. I think at the very least, if you want to do more than just the superficial of laws, take time to really think about how we're allocating our energy and loss. And, and again, like we walk around every day without the burden of, of the fact overwhelmingly that Thousands of innocent lives are lost yeah. needlessly all the time. But this one cat that didn't none of us really give a fuck about as a human being yeah. dies. And we're like, oh, this is tragic. Yeah. You know, I, I, I do want to to go back to the the talk of of legacy um, and the fact that and I had said it before we started recording that. You know, as we sit there and think about all the the lives that are lost that we don't care about. It should be on us. Like having a realization like this of saying like, dude, you've objectified this, this person, this father, this husband right. so badly that you just forget about the rest of the stuff. And you know, you, you know, you old people, you don't know how many people are going to be sporting their Kobe shoes tomorrow. They're just thinking like, cause oh, it's about them. It's about them. It's about us. And and most of the time loss is and mm -hmm. in, in order to process it in a meaningful way and turn it into something positive, I think you have to make the most 
dark, potentially dark acknowledgement about how self-serving the human mind is. Yeah. And I think that if you are to, and maybe that's why I try to look at, you know, I've been trying to look at it in the, you know, hour, hour and a half that we've known, I've been trying to look at it in terms of the legacy discussion. And we've, we've talked about legacy before in very early episodes, but I do want to read this. It's a little lengthy. So just bear with me here. Okay. It says we often use the term legacy to refer uh, to what a person leaves behind, how a person will be remembered and what they, and what they will be remembered for, which is the good and the bad. In other words, legacy, the term legacy and its clinical use in psychological uh, interventions uh, had not been widely adopted in the palliative, uh, palliative care literature until recently, perhaps because it's a complex and the et- etymology of legacy are of limited help. Some root terms of legacy suggest that uh, legacy is property left by will uh, or <clears throat> a gift left by will. Other root terms of legacy suggest that legacy is derived from legate, implying a designated deputy, ambassador, uh, envoy, or perhaps a messenger. Examining these etymologic uh, terms. You stupid bitch. I know, I'm a a dumb idiot. (laughs) um, (laughs) Suggests to me that legacy, in fact, plays the most vital of roles uh, as the medium by which we transmit vital information, values, traditions, and wisdom to the next generation. Legacy is, in fact, a spiritual and cultural DNA. And I think that's the part right there. I do think that there is a there are some people out there that can have an impact on the the DNA of a culture. And I also think, though, that within each of us is the capacity to have an impact on the DNA of your culture. And it doesn't mean the culture of your own. It could be the culture of your neighborhood, the culture of just where I think that there there exists cultures within cultures. There's your work culture. There's your family culture. There's your neighborhood culture. And I think that it should be on us to be able to, to have as much impact on those people so we can all live lives worth mourning. You know, we should be, we, we cannot, we should not be in in this, in this age of so much information out there. You can, if you want to, you can see all the fucked up stuff happening in the world, but we don't want to. You can go out and into some neighborhoods and see these kids that have nothing and see all this other shit going on. See, they can take a take a couple of days working your job or something like that. You know, you made the comment the other day that as we are my our view of the people who are homeless, just given my SES is there is a wider gap between a billionaire or a multimillionaire and, and even me. And then there's an even wider gap between that multimillionaire or a billionaire to that homeless person. We're right. It's not going to have. Was it if if you made five thousand dollars a day, if I'm not mistaken, if you made five thousand dollars a day from fourteen ninety two, you still wouldn't have a billion dollars. That's five thousand. Yeah. We espouse this belief in like chasing the American dream and shit. When in reality, it's like those claw machines that, that yeah, used to be almost grab something. Yeah, they're like, oh, look at all this cool, bright, fun shit. But you're not going to goddamn get it. There yeah. is a unfathomable gulf between even people that make two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. Mm-hmm. They're much closer to having nothing than they are to being billionaires. Yeah, than they are to being billionaires. and and what and what purpose would it serve to have that grotesque yeah. amount of income? What is the benefit? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. What the well, Reagan is. would have you believed that they create It'll jobs. trickle down. Yeah, yeah. it does not. Um, and But what I do wonder is why is it that those of us 
at the bottom seem to have a different view of those people at the top. And obviously they're going to have a different view of us at the bottom. You see, you see poor people are just like, Oh, I love watching keeping up with the Kardashians. You can't fucking keep up with them. You know, you can't like in the real term, you can't keep up with them. You can sit there and watch them live their life. I think a lot of this, like a lot of what we're even talking about may be an indictment of American culture and what American culture chooses to celebrate. Yeah. And what we're encouraged to celebrate. Yeah, yeah. And something that I was thinking about that's kind of peripherally related to this, and I'll try to make this as brief as possible, but um, I was told, you know, coming up through the psychology program at WKU that, um, and this is just, this isn't set in stone, but it, it has been proposed that one of the closest things to an objective measure, one of the objective measures of intelligence is impulse control. Mm. However, there's it, it, that kind of contradicts itself if you look at the model of multiple intelligences. Yeah. Because I would assert that some of those types of intelligence um, are directly linked to impulsivity, mm-hmm. whereby somebody can access what's it called, Kalu? Uh, transient hypofrontality. Yes. <laughs> Where somebody can get into that mode much more easily yeah. through that impulse. The mm-hmm. impulse bypasses all the bullshit and takes them directly to hitting that next note Mm -hmm. or hitting that fucking free throw or whatever, whatever it may be. So what is it that we laud and celebrate in our culture and pretend is important in our culture? Mm -hmm. The very thing that some, some have asserted is uh, an objective measure of not being quite as intelligent. So you've got this pool of individuals where you're not lauding um, people with uh, to the same degree. You're not lauding uh, individuals who pass away that made major contributions to medicine and chemistry and the environment. Not to the same degree. Again, like if Jane Goodall passed away, she's mm-hmm. she's a, a phenom, but they're not they're not taken in the same terms. It, and even if they are, it. When Jane Goodall passes away, um, it's going to be like, oh, no, the, the sweet chimpanzee lady mm-hmm. passed away. But when Betty White passes away, it's going to be again. It's it's oh, you. It's Lord. us. It's it's yeah. our idea of reality. And it acquaints us with with fucking mortality. But I think it's all part of the bigger fucking like smoke and mirrors thing. It's like, let's keep the underclass. Again, that's all class solidarity extends from people with zero dollars on up into motherfuckers that even have a couple mil. Mm-hmm. You still, in, in relation to the motherfuckers that are really pulling the strings, you there should be a lot more class solidarity amongst those individuals. Sure. And I think it's by design in our culture that we gloss over how meaningful um, the all the, the things that went into, um, you know, us even being able to sit in this room and conduct this podcast, mm-hmm. all the people that lived and died that cumulatively made these advances such that we consider it has yep. a computer, high powered computer, uh, all this fucking magic shit. Yeah. Basically. And it's the efforts of countless individuals that we don't know their names. Mm-hmm. We have no idea what their names are, but if somebody's entertaining to us mm-hmm. and I think that that also goes into like, it's almost like candy. Mm. Entertainment is candy. Sure. I agree with that. Um, So you're not putting as much emphasis on 
the the things that really nourish your body, the fundamental things that foster ingenuity in you, mm-hmm. they really encourage you putting importance on the things that entertain you mm-hmm. and that you have to embody something like that or, you know, or you, you just fundamentally cannot ever attain that. So you accept the reality that's before you. And I know yeah. it's a long winded fucking spiel, but um, it, it really does. Again, when somebody big like this passes away me even saying that this is a big person to me this person is not in any way nearly as important as any of the individuals that i serve in this community sure they're just fucking not he's he's not yeah it's fair to say and, and i'm not and and that's not a disrespect no it's not disrespect yeah and it, and if you get offended then it's because you're further objectifying like yes we yeah. we, we just made fun of your toy well, yeah, you're you're proving my fucking point. Yeah. If if you're upset about me saying that a homeless individual or somebody who has really struggled through life for various means, their life is just as important or it's more important to me because I'm have been acquainted with them. But even when they pass, it's me thinking like this thing, this thing that I had I needed to 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 help and foster yeah. and and protect is is now gone. Yeah. And it fulfilled a part of who I was as an individual. Mm-hmm. But you know, again, long winded spiel aside, um, who we pick and choose to really lament the loss of, I think, is a statement about who we are as a society. And I also think that when we experience these losses, it, when we're trying to make sense of it, I think that it 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 would go a long way if we took a moment and thought about really the weight of how much loss occurs on a daily mm-hmm. basis, how much needless loss occurs yeah. and why that shit is occurring. Yeah. You know, the, there was one thing that a lot of people probably didn't know about um, Kobe is that he did have a mindfulness coach. And uh, that's something that I wish that everyone kind of had. But the reason I say that is because I would hope that a good mindfulness coach would do well to teach you about your insignificance in the world. He can't help that everyone, you know, views him as some kind of an object. Having the knowledge that you're not the most important thing on the planet can lead you to sort of living a a, a more full life. That's how you're capable of actually having control over your life. Yeah. And so one of the, and so the one thing that I could at least appreciate, what's going on, Mark? What's up, baby? The, uh, the one thing that then I can at least appreciate and your mic is on, you should head like, there you go. You should turn those on. Your headphones should be on as well. Guys, Mark just came in pretty exciting stuff yeah i feel like i'm talking so i'm talking i'm talking more <laughs> softly because i can hear my own voice yeah exactly no not at all he's been worried no, legit been... Le- le- legit this, is, this isn't like mark I yeah ho- i hope that and i made hope look, okay. and i made Aloof some bad is exactly like mark and and i was like i and i made a couple of insensitive jokes y'all had time to get out of you had a whole hour uh yeah so no it's fine I I turn your let me see if i can yeah. turn well i wasn't close yet is it it sound okay yeah yeah it sounds good what's up Um, everybody we're just uh we're we're talking we were talking about how i think that a lot of us have objectified objectified kobe bryant which explains a lot of the perceived sadness because for some people it seems like you lost a toy or well yeah there's that huh um, but and, and then it's not actually mutually exclusive. Like there's levels to it. Like yeah. there are even people I'm sure that were in his periphery 
that cared about him as a human being, like as a dad and as a like, you know, a neighbor, maybe shit like that. But invariably, there is probably that that selfish like, oh, a piece of my reality like a human being that manifested and represented all this shit is now gone. It's like something was taken away from you. So the grieving is, is you being missing. Oh yeah. oh yeah. It's like, you have to fill it now with something hopefully of your own creation. And so I feel like now people are going to be searching for that next thing to fill that hole. If that makes any sense. Like, oh, yeah. who can I, who's another person that I can objectify to, and instead, to fill that. And instead you should use, in my opinion, my fucking not so humble opinion. Yeah. You should use these points, loss, mm-hmm. as as a as a place for perspective, for you to like reassess priorities, mm-hmm. things that are really meaningful, and then like the bigger picture when it comes to. And I, before you came in, I I talked about the fact that we walk around and we don't carry around the weight of the world that like thousands of children die each day over preventable fucking illnesses. But I don't give a fuck about sports. Yeah. And 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 when I saw that Kobe Bryant had passed away, yeah. part of me was like, "Damn, yeah." You but know, see that that's that's what's interesting, man, because that makes me me wonder if if we can be made, if we can recognize what whatever it is you call that that you just described, you know, if we can help ourselves or maybe program ourselves to care about something that's. I don't know, more impactful, maybe, you know, I, think, I don't think we can help I, do that. I, I, th- I think monarchs we, and things, well, that, maybe that's what they help us do. You know? well, and we even talked about yeah. that right before you came in. Yeah. I think this is part of the equation Yeah, is, is keep us, keep us hyped up on sugar. When yeah. it, like th- this, mm-hmm. like being class fed, solidarity. Yeah. We, instead of fostering class solidarity, we laud all these individuals that represent a transcendence of the struggle. We yes. love a good rags to riches fucking story yeah. when it, but it's incredibly anomalous. And then we looked at these people and, and when they pass away, we're like, Oh my God. Like, like I lost one of me, like, like a part of me died, but at the same fucking time, yeah. some cats in the same town as you mm-hmm. can get in a fatal altercation and you, and people not even 10 miles down the road, not even at 10, a restaurant at, at a, at a <laughs> restaurant yeah. and people are already making memes about it. And there's something about, with being within this class and I'm going to go ahead and, and fucking lump again, people with nothing all the way up to motherfuckers with a couple million dollars. Cause that that's still way far away from being a billionaire. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, we, we kind of have a little schadenfreude when it comes to people within the class falling down and falling apart and shit like yeah. that. But whenever, even like when, uh, Bill Cosby's accusers, like mm-hmm. like a litany of accusers came forward. I can't lie. And if I that, you know, in theory, like I'm like, damn, that's fucking terrible that all these women went through that. But I didn't piecemeal go through each story and feel bad about that. Honestly, the immediate reaction, the face value reaction that I have is that Dr. Fucking Huxtable wasn't the person that I thought he was. Yeah. This pillar of my childhood has been stripped away and it, it and yeah. i mourned that i didn't exactly. mourn the horrible things that he had fucked on the one to one to one to one capable of transcending this fucking cycle but we got to get off the sugar yeah yeah we got to stop we got to stop bypassing the things that are important and uh and pretending like it means more when one of these these fucking 
figures that are larger than life fall than it does whenever a homeless person dies cold in a fucking ditch in our yeah. same town. It, we, we're living in a, a city with the ability to fix a lot of these issues. Every city can fix every issue if they want. You, damn, damn near. And, and there are people, helpless people dying needlessly. And then again, no disrespect to him. He was a person. He had loved ones. He still got loved ones, whatever. But a cat that, that lived more in his 41 years than somebody that's, you know, 55 and struggled a whole time, it just lived the most cush life in a lot of ways and died in a helicopter crash. I, I think that there's a fundamental fucking disconnect if we're letting people in our community die in the cold and live and die in the fucking cold. And then we act like we give a fuck that Kobe Bryant died like you didn't know him. All you know is what he represented in your mind. And I think that that points like this is where we really need to take a look at ourselves and, and think, why yeah. are we feeling the way yeah. we feel? Yeah. yeah, I want I wanted that, too, because I'm, I'm um, there's a lot of things I have to say. Part of the part of the reasons that I was um, a little late getting here, I've been in town for like three hours. But as I was about to leave, people started talking about Kobe Bryant. And then my brother said the same thing that you just said, Chris, that um, someone you you heard what happened at Old Charlie's? Yeah, and yeah. some stuff went down. I was like, man, I didn't hear that. Then he named another family member. That's like, man, I didn't know that. So you know, we were talking about these. It was to his same point. While we're talking about death, let me tell you all the local deaths mm. that just happened here. I was like, man, Bowling Green's wilding out. And um, I wonder though, you know, that's that's an ob- obvious point. But I also I'm also given to think that perhaps it's. Uh, human beings are, are, can't overcome that, or at least eighty-five percent. And if we, as um, rather serious intellectuals, are are don't have to be careful, because most people will not be able to do what we're doing in this room. What I mean is, they're going to pick, they're going to objectify, they're going to be in love with Michael Jackson and Kobe Bryant. So, can we exploit that, you know, for better? Can we make like um, you right? I, I'm a, I'm mm-hmm. like satisfied with. I'm not satisfied. I'm like obsessed with these data visualizations and stuff. Yeah. Like I just like the kind of stuff. I wonder if we could, the the Salumas crew could make a website and um and um other contributors from all over the place as, as the platform grows, uh, score their towns, you know, for things like that. Yeah. And um, you you provide um, a new type of social networking, you know, so uh, you could help out and see if we can make it as interesting and as prevalent to be keenly aware of the SES situation in your local community as you are, you know, maybe a famous basketball player or something and people, I don't know, maybe bring out some of that weird competition that, that uh, people have. We do it with our sports teams, you know, they generate millions of dollars in our city just because we might want the Jersey that year or something like that. I know it's a little silly what I'm saying, but I do wonder if, if that's something, one day we'll get to a point where we're doing those kind of things just so we don't um, psych ourselves out, you know, and yeah. become victim to our own um, impulses to uh, fall for celebrity and yeah. all of those. There things. was, there was one thing that I wanted to, when I was talking about him having a, a mindfulness coach, like there, there's one other thing that I could appreciate with, uh, with Kobe and it was, he, he didn't know. I I don't believe he knew that he was doing this but it was his contribution to the scientific community 
because he was one of the people that scientists studied when, as I speak, and I'm crazy about flow state, you know, there's, um, they, the scientists, a lot of times they, when people figured out that there is something that is called transient hypofrontality, one of the things that they did is they monitored different athletes and people that were in extreme sports. And they tried to figure out like, when does that sort of kick in? And how does the person's face, how do they, how do they perceive everything going on around them? He was one of the people that they, that they studied. And I think that flow state can occur no matter what, and if you're doing something, it happens right there. And, um, like I, like I've said in many previous episodes, they of course studied like snowboarders and surfers and stuff like that. But when you see someone like Kobe, who goes and scores 81 points in a basketball game, and like you look at his face, that's in my head, like it's it, again, it makes me not feel bad because it doesn't seem like I, he's like my toy. He just seems like a cool science experiment or something like that. And, yeah. and I think that that is something that could help other communities that people mainly don't give a shit about. But that's just something that fascinates. And me again, that's absolutely. it's just a more meaningful, like thoughtful form of a yeah. patient put to good use. Yeah. I think that if we and, and this does lead to he was he was someone that practiced meditation. I think that is another thing that could should translate to all for levels wonder, of SES. Does there. anyone know yet um, where he was traveling or was he what he was doing in the helicopter? I think he was coming back from some event. He was in Calabasas because there was his from what I was, was reading, his daughter was in there. And then one of his other one of his daughter's teammates i believe that's what it yeah. was was okay. in there and yeah. their parent or something like that yeah because i just saw him watching his daughter playing ball or something yeah, like that i think that. that's what yeah so, okay and i saw him on another panel very happy talking talking and everything like that yeah about whatever's going on okay i was just but, wondering if maybe he was flying himself or if he was just getting transported either sure. either way you know there's a none of us will ever be in a the majority of us mm-hmm. will never be in a position where we have our own helicopter or where someone could fly. And I don't us give a fuck it. about having one either. You know what I'm saying? Like that's just not. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's just crazy thinking about how far off we are from people at that level, and how much yeah. we we give a, an assigned meaning and emotional connection to them. Well, his own opulence killed him in in a in a sense. Yeah, like his own his own social position indirectly was his demise if he didn't have that personal fucking efficacy to be able to well, I, own a I, I helicopter. Don't even, I don't he want to word it like that. Cause it sounds like he died because he was rich. I mean, like, no, the, no, no, no. There's some latent irony to it though. Oh, I is see that, is that death is fucking inex- inescapable. It's inescapable. So, but we, we fly to avoid the traffic and the, uh, you know, you goddamn right. You goddamn traffic right. collisions and being seen in, you know, in traffic, we have all the super, the, a lot of the celebrities have the insanely dark tinted windows. Right. And yeah, that, Every, that actually makes sense. But at that level, everything's higher stakes in yeah. general and, and everything is felt to be in terms of higher stakes like it's such a disconnect like you were saying like you can't even fathom what it's like to have a helicopter and possibly on some level take having a helicopter as normalcy yeah that's hard to fucking perceive in general Mm -hmm. so if that person's in that position and we're in the position that we're in and we don't even think about really the harsh realities that a lot of people that are way closer to us socioeconomically are encountering. Yeah. Yeah. How can you expect him to, and sure. then how can you expect people that have way more loot than that to care? Yeah. So 
it it sucks. It, and you you sit here, or a lot of people sit here, and I've probably been guilty of it before, of grandstanding against the power class, the ruling classes. But a lot of the shit that is manifested, this this continuity of behavior, the passing off of capital from one generation to another and improving upon it, this dynastic type of shit is something that's instilled in them, is bred into them, and is largely out of their control. But it's such a fucking gift for any of us, regardless of socioeconomic status. Loss, loss is an incredible um, way to acquaint yourself with the closest semblance of reality. It Mm -hmm. puts you in a mindset where you're like, whoa, holy fucking shit. It doesn't matter if it's it's a death or whatever. When you lose, it it makes you go, okay, full stop. What just happened here? Yeah. If you're constantly winning again, your frame of reference gets gets fucked up. So you take that loss, you don't waller in it, and you don't completely bypass it, take it for what it is, and just ignore it either. You take that loss and you think about you ponder your own mortality. The problem is most anybody. Most you was talking about like 85 percent. I I would agree with that rough estimate. Eighty five percent of people are damn near incapable of thinking about their own mortality and their own insignificance and how fleeting all this shit is. There's a a reason why we have fucking graveyards. Mm. To preserve the image. It's the same reason why they made the Great Pyramids. Everybody is trying to hold on to a little piece, occupy a little piece of something. And it's it's fucking hubris mm. and then it's it's kind of a legacy we leave behind even when we we're gone and again this is shitty people people, people ain't gonna people gonna think it's shitty but again graveyards to me amount to pollution they just amount that it's a bunch of bodies that's pumped up with chemicals that's put into a casket that's pumped up with chemicals that's put in a sarcophagus and they're they take up enormous amounts of space that could be utilized for natural habitat for other shit it has to be maintained it's always expanding and growing. So if if that's a priority that we have as individuals, that we can't just be fucking cremated or turned into a tree or some shit like that, we have to hold on. We have to have this headstone. Our body has to be embalmed in this. It, it's macabre as fuck to me. I wonder if there's any, any cultures or groups of people that that um treat burial different. I wonder. Oh yeah, like sky oh, graves. Yeah. Sky graves, yeah. Yeah. What, What's what a sky grave? Oh, bro, it's like, in Tibet, right? Well, there, there's a few different uh cultures that practice mm-hmm. it. Uh, maybe Tibet. I think in Mongolian culture, yeah, sometimes yeah. they'll take the body up to where they know birds will consume it, mm-hmm. and the birds come by and and consume the body. Usually, typically the fleshy portions. Sometimes they'll even process the human body to make it easier for the birds to carry it away. And then you basically, as the birds pick you clean, they fly away. And that's the sky grave. You you are oh. buried into the sky by virtue of the birds. That's flying really away. cool. I and didn't then know about that. The Zarath- Zarathustrans. All I know is, is the, I think it's Tibet. But. The Zarathustrans mm-hmm. as well practice sky burial. And they've got these big, this big fucking structure where they will take bodies and, and lay them out on, it's a big cylindrical structure, and they'll lay them out on this cylindrical structure that has a couple of different tiers to it. And they put the bodies on the first tier, and then as birds fly in and pick the corpses clean, gradually the bones go and they settle into the bottom portion and they mingle and shit like that. But yeah, 
there's a few different cultures and religions. And I stuff never to thought about that in. before. I wonder. I wonder what a data visualization of the amount of gravestones would look like. I wonder if that's a very Western thing. It is a very Western I thing. So. I mean, you think yeah. about India. They, you know, a cremation. I, I believe is a, a real common yeah. form of yeah. of burial. Or yeah. you know, you also think of this like there is. I think it's. I can't remember what the percentage was, but it, it's a. I think it's ninety percent of Americans live in 10% of America. I think it's something like that. Like think of the amount and people don't realize the amount of land in America that is unused. Yeah. And to think, and and we also think of the, and I'm glad, I'm really glad that it's like that. Yeah. But you also think of the time being, at least you think of like how much homeless populations are out there and how many people are struggling. Like they can have whatever land you want. Then they blew it up. You know, I want to obviously we'll talk about that in Black History Month, Tulsa. But there is you think of like there is so much land and so many opportunities to be able to give people just land. Go and live there and do your own thing. But there is more land, in my opinion, being used for graveyards and stuff like that. And and these big monuments for entire families, they can have a plot Mm -hmm. that could is the, the service area of a fucking home. Yeah. And, I, I and want, it's like, what? I want to say though, that, that, um, although that's, um, I don't know the word practically and intellectually and objectively, absolutely correct. I never ever thought about that before, but, um, that's heavier than I would ever have thought of. But, you know, um, it, it's said by anthropologists that there was this time when we would be evidence of us hunting or something, hunting and gathering. Mm-hmm. Someone would fall over and hit their head. You know, hunting hunting expeditions were really dangerous. And then they say there there's evidence that at some time we it became apparent that you know from bones and things like that that we started to care. Mm-hmm. Joseph Campbell talks about that a lot. It's sure. just some point in human history, primeval time, we just started to care. You could see they would bury the person with their hatchet or with their yeah. hunting tools. That there was some sort of remorse gained with. Uh, the expansion of our mind and our consciousness is the human family. We also gain uh, some very irrational yeah. ways of reconciling what I, what I always call irreconcilable realities. And I wonder if when you grow out of that, if you have to make up for it somewhere else, I wonder, I wonder that because I just, I've never thought about what, what you just said, uh, what Chris just said, but yeah, wouldn't know how much, how much better could we do with the land usage? Yeah. But how would we handle um, our modern grieving processes? You know, like how yeah. do we got a ritual that will help us grieve as much as, you know, the because the burial is not for the person that's dead, of course, it's yeah. for the people that's still alive. And um, how selfish is that? But, but, I think, gra- but check I think it graveyards out. are, graveyards are, uh, it's an abomination. Are, are, um, I think you can like it around. Um, there's this one next to a house I used to live on, Sixth Street. I always wondered, like, how long will it be before they can do something with that land? It's across from Napa Auto, across from Parks oh, and yeah, Rec. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been there all my life. It's when I was forever. a kid, it was old then. Like they were crumbling and yeah. wasn't wasn't anyone being buried there. I always wondered that. That's a really interesting thing. Do you guys think though that there's a portion of the human human psyche that it it's debilitating if we don't have a ritual to deal with the guilt of when you lost someone. I think that, and so that's the side effect of of well, us. I think I think it's uh, what would you do? I think it's clinging on. I think yeah. it's still holding on to the edge of the pool. I think, think it's that? an inability to completely yeah. let go because completely letting go is an acknowledgement. 
yeah. of your own yeah. finite amount of time on this planet. Oh, yeah. And something that I thought of, yeah. I I would be willing to bet motherfucking anything. I mean, you can't say with certainty. Hell, you can't say with certainty what another motherfucker feels. You can only say what what you succumb. Yeah. But I I say mourning is not specific and yeah. and to to humans. I think mourning right. occurs across multiple species yeah. and multiple one hundred percent and multiple species have shown to manifest. Yeah. varying degrees of ceremony associated yeah. with the loss of a member of their species. Dude, let me tell you when, when my, um, when my first dog Onyx died, like it was, it was a thing. We lived in the type of neighborhood where you, people would let their dogs out and their dogs would all go roam together. Like they almost had like a pack if, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so they would all roam the neighborhood together and run around. And then you would, you would literally walk outside of your house and yell for your dog and your dog will come back home. And, uh, there was a period for about two months where a few of the dogs would come to our house, like to our front, because what we, they would do, they would sit at the front of our house. And when we noticed them, then we would let our dog out. And then they all go take off. They would howl or they would bark or they'd be like, Where's Onyx? You know what I'm saying? Oh, and definitely. like that is, in my opinion, I I do think that dogs do that. And my friend, I remember he had two dogs that, you know, the Humane Society, I think they just say it for the for the sake of selling. But they say there's like a bonded pair, you know, and he had two dogs and one of them died. And the other one was never the same uh, once that once his brother died. Oh, okay. yeah. Um, I do think that that stuff does exist. And I think animals do mourn. Uh, and then just like humans, you we try to think that our animal needs another friend. So you go and get another one that they can, you know, play with and the same thing does happen. That's why I was saying earlier that when our, now that our, and I, I, I hate using it like this, but now that our object is gone, we're going to fill it with something else. We're absolutely going to find another athlete that might play like Kobe or some athlete that does things like Kobe. And then they'll just, there you go. Oh, and, and we also, before we even started recording, we touched on the fact that um, whenever somebody dies, invariably their stock fucking shoots up. Absolutely. So I, I think that that also is kind of a indictment of where we're at as a society. And and I, I can't speak for how people are lauded and, and exalted after they've passed away coming from uh, another cultural perspective. But it, it just really... It seems to underscore how much we commodify individuals that the moment they pass away, like Chris Cornell, there was no denying that Chris Cornell was a bad motherfucker when it came to singing. There was no denying it over the course of his life. Then he passes away suddenly and it didn't like Chris Cornell was on everybody's lips leading up to his passing. Then the moment he died, people shit a brick and they were like, look, one of the most talented who has ever walked to earth. Even Prince, even fucking Prince, who undeniably was could play any instrument, did all the shit himself. Would never, um, he waned in terms of the amount of respect or consideration that he was afforded in society. I mean, we had been satiated on Prince as a society. We've been satiated. The moment he's taken away, and everything becomes finite. There's nothing else to get. Everybody is scrambling for pieces of what remains to cling on to and make pieces of their own and take ownership of. It's like it's like a fucking uh, estate sale when somebody passes away. But 
regarding memories and attributes and oh well this was my song did you hear this song from prince like oh let's put this on let's think about this shit but prior to that when everybody was making the memes about prince looking like somebody like smug disappointed auntie Mm -hmm. they wasn't showing prince the respect that prince deserved yeah Hmm. same thing was was with you know we just recently people just recently celebrated martin luther king day Oh yes, racist people. Oh are my god, putting up quotes for like he didn't mean anything to to a lot of people. He 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 disturbed the sensibilities and comforts his entire life. Yeah, he did. You know, he did all that stuff. But you see, people that would have opposed him vehemently if they were alive at the same hey, time. They, there's a there's an active bid, and there has been ever since he was assassinated by the motherfucking FBI. Yeah, to uh, to paint him as the noble negro like yeah. the the magical noble like let's all get along type motherfucker when in reality he was he was about peace understood violence and embodied composure surrounding you know the duality associated yeah. with both of those concepts yeah and that's a dangerous combination in an individual and i think they used him for capital and i think oh, the same been, thing is going to he's is been going commodified to yeah the same well, thing's going to continue to happen now with people that that do pass away. Wait till wait till the moment Colin Kaepernick dies. I bet you you're gonna see some some people that that disagreed said to 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 win some votes or to you know to yeah. rile up some people. Yeah, and it, and it's gonna be one generation removed. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And, and that shows that. like we we've, we've talked about it over and over again. Mark touches on it and in a few different episodes, but like our memory only seems to span like. 40 years at the most Mm -hmm. like that. And after outside of 40 years, things start to fade into the ether and become uh, caricatures of what it really was motherfucking like. Like I shared that meme that uh, about the first, I think it was the first woman to be allowed or girl to be allowed uh, post integration Mm -hmm. into uh, public schools, like a white public school is only 65 years old Mm -hmm. now. Something like that. Wow. What the fuck, man? Like this shit was just on our doorstep, like not long ago at all. And everybody want to act like it do that. Motherfucker. It didn't occur in a vacuum. It acknowledging that that shit is a traumatizing entity to occur. And just because it's been walked back in steps, it doesn't mean the impact didn't go away. And I think that that's one of the most nefarious forms of racism is the lack of acknowledgement. I prefer racism that's just rabid and in your face and motherfucking unapologetic. Do you remember that? I, I do. I do think- you remember when the, the racism that was out there when when Kobe Bryant was accused of raping that girl? Do you remember that? I'm, and a little a little bit. Anytime a black person does some shit, there's yeah. always going to be like some it has to get racial every motherfucking oh, time when obama was president they was burning visages of him mm-hmm. and and not that that hasn't happened with trump yeah but they trying to act like nobody was persecuted mm-hmm. in the same terms as trump was and that were drawn like not the not in the new yorker but in publications actual yeah. publications oh. like political uh Com- comics were drawn like depicting Barack and Michelle as like monkeys and shit like yeah. that. Oh yeah, that was yeah. Pre- that was a pretty prevalent fucking thing, oh, and yeah. it was it was widely kind of accepted. Mm-hmm. Like we're like, I you know that's that's not too fringe. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it was, and it was it wasn't that far removed. This this whole rape allegation. It was two thousand three is when it is when it happened, and uh, you know he was accused of sexual assault by 
you know, on a, a, on a hotel employee, you know, like, I wonder how, if that's going to get brought up. Uh, I, I, cause I, I think, I think that some, I bet you some groups are going to bring that up. And, and I think that even when that happens, and this is not to, to denigrate any of the victims or anything like that, but the timing seems awful weird to start bringing something up for me to not think that it's just further objectification. Like oh, yeah. I, I'm, I don't like your object. So here's my object. And they're going to say, this is my well, object being you Kobe. just said it. Mm-hmm. That's it right there. What, what you just said. Yeah. I mean, I know I've said it many times before, but I'm not so sure we can do any better in that sphere of interaction, mm-hmm. like um, Facebook or something like that. I don't know if we can do any better. Yeah. I don't know if there's a way to be serious to the degree that uh, we've described a little bit here in the last few minutes in that medium. It compromises all, almost all of your humanity because of the lack of uh, true senses involved, you know? Mm-hmm. So it leaves just um, pettiness, just, you know, I don't know. So you to, think if someone were to say, any, like, were to bring up the, the rape allegations from that back then, you say it it might come down to pettiness? Well, I don't think any anything else is possible. I see. Superficial objectification to the to the degree that it's consumption, like eating candy, mm. um, anything from the screen. I don't think humans. I don't think we can do any better right now. Wow. I don't know if we'll ever change or get to where we can interact at a higher level well, of, of fidelity inside of that 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 space. But I'm not sure. Is we can there do any an better. incentive? An incentive to behave better, yeah, or, a short term one, because there there, there is undeniably a long term incentive. Mm-hmm. But we just got through, you know, discussing the fact that mm-hmm. from a even generational standpoint, the human memory, like yeah. the accounts of human history, just yeah. seem to get glossed over after a certain point. Yeah. It's, yeah. Is there any short term incentive for the individual, much less society at large, to do that? That's a good point. Um, because ignorance yeah. is fucking bliss, man. I mean, just ignore it, ignore it, ignore it, and then one day you don't exist. And non-existence, you're alleviated of the burden of of concern of your own mortality anyway. So why would you do the groundwork yeah. that you got to come to? Yeah. Like, a lot of people even yeah. have told me, like, oh, I don't see how you can be happy and mm-hmm. believe the way you do that. There's like not an afterlife and all this shit. And I was like, yeah, yeah. because it's liberating. It makes everything else mean more like the things that I experience mean more. Cause yeah. I'm like, this is my one shot at this shit. Yeah. Um, I follow you, but it's terrifying. I would imagine to a lot of people. And I think it does. It comes down a lot of this. A lot of what we're talking about comes down to a fundamental acknowledgement of our own mortality. I agree. And, and and maybe that's why there's such a big emphasis on legacy. And that's why people speak so much about his. And that's why even I try to um, create or leave behind some kind of legacy is that um, maybe there's this obsession of just. That. No, no, you're, you're, you're talking up to it. it yeah. Transcendence and inter- eternity can be experienced in, in mass through that sort of objectification because it's 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 different. It's it's hard. It's not likely either yeah. that most people have the energy, concern, desire to do that. But you see, they get to experience that vicariously through celebrating someone else. Huh. So Kobe, the idea is far more known. Is that a bad thing? No, it's not a bad thing at all. It's a it's an absolutely amazing thing. 
really? to me. Yeah, I think it's beautiful that humans can do that. Yeah. So I was saying before you would come in here that I think one of the things that could be positive is is the effect that he had on the black community. Um, oh. I was saying that um, at the time that he came through, I think that we were still wanting to have another hero, if you will, out there. Yeah. To, because even though there are a lot of black athletes in there, it just seemed like people like Michael Jordan, Bo yeah. Jackson, those people really transcend OJ Simpson. Those people yeah. transcended uh, the, just the whole mold. Yeah. And um, that. yes, and we could agree that it is a form of, ob, you know, object objectification, but yeah. it just seems like there's something more to it mm-hmm. for a people that have been stripped of, heroes out there yes you go into yes. the history it's books a and it's a yeah. highlight reel of white people doing badass shit you well, know but we have yeah. sports illustrated well, or yeah something there's like a that. spectrum i think of of uh needs in all humans we just might have a slightly pronounced um need to feel because of you know conditioning sure because i have to think and try to imagine hmm, are there any cultures especially well-established modern cultures that don't carry on that way that don't seem to have heroes and do that that objectification for the masses to have a way in their day-to-day life to transcend yeah the um the vulnerability uh-huh. of you know knowing you're gonna expire or whatever it happens yeah. in whatever happens in your head and i know i don't i don't know I wonder well, if China. I was going to say Japan. Don't they? Don't somebody? people? Aren't people able to sort of trace back like what? I don't want to say clan or whatever that well, they come it's, from. Yes, it's culture, uh, cultural identity. When it survived after a long time, be, becomes enough to do that. Okay, that's what I was speaking to. Yeah, but I was trying to look for an example of uh, someone in recent um, specific history that gives a good catalyst for needing to fill that void. But also not having a super older step because I think the cultural identity fills that that void. Well, and, and African Americans yeah. are still yeah. overwhelmingly in the process of establishing yeah, the cultural exactly. identity. That's right. Probably we got, as yeah, well. we kind of rebuild. Reminder, here. everyone: slavery is still very. It's not that far away. It, it really isn't. And and I think that a, well, a, a yeah. big thing that people get hung up on is when they hear words like objectify, yeah. they, get, they get caught up in this buzz term that's thrown around in therapy. Yeah. And it's yeah. not inherently negative. No. Yeah. And, and the way that we're using objectification is just how it is. Yeah. It's really um, processed from a cognitive standpoint. Yeah. yeah. Because, yeah. because an, it's either an object <laughs> or an abstraction. And whenever an abstraction becomes an object in your mind, that's when you have some sort of vested interest in it on some level, varying yeah. degrees of levels. That's why all these children that are dying of malaria and all these preventable fucking diseases and shit, they're an abstract. They represent a larger problem that almost provides frame of reference for how good we fucking have it and why we need to just shut the fuck up. Coronavirus and show up going on right yeah, now. Yeah, it, it makes us feel a little bit better about our shit and we're like, we're we're appreciative and thankful and it makes us less hungry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, like I said, that like class solidarity just isn't there. There's like a little bit of schadenfreude that we're like a, a German term that means taking some degree of joy in the suffering, in the of, suffering others. of others. And joy doesn't necessarily, in in the context we're using it, doesn't necessarily entail an overt like 
just relishing the suffering of somebody else. Mm-hmm. It's kind of this roundabout like appreciation of what you have because of by comparison, you aren't suffering as much. Okay. That's a very yeah. good term for that. Yeah. There's a, certainly a whole lot of that going on. Are you saying that that's um, beneath human dignity? What, what do you think? No, I, I don't think that it is beneath human dignity. I yeah. think that it, it has been instilled in us. I think it's part of, um, and again, I can't attest to how other cultures, you yeah. know, work in terms of like on a meaningful level, but the going back to like the work on the Protestant work ethic and things like that, like everything that I have, I have, I've earned it, you right. know? Right. Mm-hmm. And so when you see other people within your social class struggling, it, it not only makes you appreciate what you have, but it also makes you feel as though you have more personal efficacy. So it becomes kind of a drug in and of itself that yeah. keeps the masses, yeah. again, showing up to work, yeah. um, appreciative for what they motherfucking have yeah. and, and playing their roles. And again, lauding, like if we were to laud um, deep thinkers, like philosophers and things like that in modernity, the same way that we did ancient ones. And if you start sifting yeah. through the behavior of ancient philosophers, it was, it was rampant with aphibophilia and pedophilia and all mm-hmm. kinds of fucked up shit. Yeah. But since it's so far in our rearview mirror, we're not going to do the work to keep deconstruct it. It'd be like, that was just the norm of a group of people. Old guys that, are fucking boy, little boys all the time. Yeah. That was just the fucking yeah. norm back then. But then we want to take one of their quotes and post it on Facebook and act like it's just latent with like this archaic profundity. Like we cherry pick and we create our own motherfucking reality. And and it's okay. if, if if you are really going to grow up and be a fucking adult, it's your responsibility to to stop and assess why you feel the way you do about certain things and process those fucking things. And and I saw something that Dr. Dye had posted about encouraging her children to experience the full range of emotions. And there's something beautiful about when you encounter a situation Allowing yourself to be irrational, allowing yourself to process things in a meaningful way, because after that irrationality, as long as it doesn't take you like into doing some reckless shit on the other end of the irrationality, there tends to be a lot more clarity than if you hadn't processed it to begin with. Yeah. I, I, I get in trouble with that. Yeah. So like I, I saw that shit that, that, that Dr. Dye was saying, and it's, I I think it really does. It comes down to a willingness to work on something that, that you aren't going to see. Yeah. You aren't. And legacy legacy is something that you're not going to fucking see, but, but is your legacy going to be something that you do for the sake of, of comparison to another individual or is your legacy going to be another contribution to the reason why, we are able to enjoy the amenities that we enjoy. Like I was talking to Kalu about, we sit in this room with all these fucking wonders that are the culmination of like generation after generation of work and, and technological advancement and collaboration and, and ingenuity just to sit in this room, all the amazing shit that's around us. If as bright as we would like to think we are, if we were thrust into an environment where we didn't stand on the shoulders of giants, there ain't no way in hell that we are going to be able to start from square one and engineer all this shit. You know what I'm saying? So 
if you look around, it was done by nameless individuals mm-hmm. just so you can appreciate things that you take for granted because your Netflix is, is loading real slow. The other side of that is that you need to be one of those individuals that puts an investment in so that when you're dead and fucking gone, the earth isn't goddamn destroyed or humanity yeah, is well a little. Yeah. It, it, humanity isn't left in any worse of a condition because of you having been here and not yeah. perpetuating this downward the slow decline into oblivion. Yeah. I think that makes, for some reason, Mark, that makes me think of you and, and you saying how you're not married to stuff, especially like technology uh-huh. and how like I now have, you know, this monster, you know, of a yeah, fucking machine. It's, like it's getting really high tech in here, uh, man. Yeah. But like it's because of you, it's given me a lot of uh, yeah. perspective. Uh-huh. And then as I sit here and, you know, and I look at this, this machine and I'm just like, this this computer pe- people don't realize and just this cell phone has more compute power than the entire space program that put you know fucking people on the yeah. moon fuck you guys for not believing in it if i can't I, remember i, mean, I, I can't remember which one I of believe- you shit dicks don't believe in it is it mark yeah, yeah it's okay. always me yeah, <laughs> yeah but, I'm, it, like, but but it's not out of my character to be like well i'm pretty sure that our own government i, well, I, I, I said i just straight up said but, the fbi but, murdered yeah, martin for, Luther for King. subtlety's sake uh, or excuse me for nuance's sake i believe we we have like been in contact with the moon i don't know if humans set foot on it but I think we didn't like what we encountered. I think those moon videos are bullshit. That's what I think. Okay. I okay. think those movies are just hilarious. <laughs> well, I- They build those as Bowling Green High and Mr. Wright's class. Or Mr. <laughs> Owen's audio video Was class. it his? Oh. Yeah, that's exactly what they did. That's what well, I think is well, bullshit. Well, I just- videos. It's just crazy that when you think of that per- mm-hmm. perspective of, you know, these things do have more power than than the entire- space program of of back then doing yeah. crazy shit so i think that if we did if we did take more of that mentality of the fact that we do sit on the, sh- the shoulders of giants maybe we would do better to objectify less maybe if there i think that there are people that do consider though people like kobe bryant as one of or the, maybe the objectify giants. responsibly mm-hmm. yes of course well, and again we're not using it as a as a bad as a bad thing. And it's going to happen. Yeah. It's the way that we process information. And it's honestly one of the most meaningful ways that we establish social ties. Yeah. It's true. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe like, um, so many things in, um, in Zen, like you let it be a passing and fleeting impulse. That's how I feel about technology, you know, but I didn't always, I was so obsessed with it and so, um, addicted to it that, it could make me happy forever as long as I could keep that drug, but you know, really? enough hundred MP3s. And I told myself I'll never feel this way again. Yeah. When you, when you yeah. lost the hard drive yeah, or I lost something, the hard drive. it was just 400 MP3s. I thought that was a lot back then, yeah. but um, I saw I'd never feel this way again. It made me sick. And I was speaking recently to some friends or last night at the dinner party, my team had a dinner party at our manager's house. And um, I was describing them how I stopped playing Warcraft. Mm-hmm. It was a, a, a catalyst that came out and there was this really, cool early boss fight in Ulduar. Like um this proto dragon who was all black and sooty. It was just really dramatic. I hate that I know exactly what yeah, you're he's, talking he's about. He's early. I tanked he, it. And he and he's yeah, he's optional too. <laughs> yeah. He's optional, like he's off to the side, but but he's early on, he's got soot, he comes down, he's dope, really scripted well. And I had a dagger I I wanted. And I was sitting there and we beat him. I was and when the purple text showed up on the screen for that item that I'd been wanting, I got it. I almost vomited on my keyboard, like a crack thing, like a 
like a heroin addict when they see heroin. And then you still got a role for it? Uh, no, it was mine. Okay. It's yeah. mine. I was just, you know, it wasn't a lot of rogues. You know, nobody cared about that dag. I just yeah. kind of wanted it. It had some cool effect or something. You could probably Google it. But um, um, it bothered me. I was like, wow. And I logged out and then logged back in for like another three weeks. And all my buddies in Canada and stuff, um, classic Mark Twain form, didn't tell anybody anything. But I was, it scared me, man. Um, really? I was simultaneously delighted and sick at, at how much I was like, I can't do this. It's the same cycle. I'm waiting for this little magic purple text for the item. The uh, the epic items would be in purple text in this game. Oh, yeah. I'm saying that for people. If there's any rare people that don't know what Warcraft is or how loot drops work. But I'm gearing up my character. A game expansion happens, and I got to gear up my character more. And there's this cycle. I was perfectly fine with that cycle. I didn't mind it. But I thought, hmm, I, don't, I felt like I didn't have control of myself right then. Yeah. So um, I was like, well, I'll never be like that again about anything. That's the two big things that happened losing a music library of 400 mp3 for some reason that was a lot back mm-hmm. then this was 98 or 99 that was a shitload back then yeah no, no i'm 2000 i'm lying 2001 yeah because i was in tech school but mm-hmm. I, lo- I lost those mp3s and then um much much later on thinking when i ha- thought i had mastery of all this stuff then i was like, okay yeah i'm just not gonna be attached so to your point maybe we can learn to have you know healthy to exercise that part of our human physiology, you know, but let it go through. And so it doesn't overwhelm us. I think sometimes we see that in some other places. I think yeah. maybe the Japanese are like that. They, they, they indulge in those things that are salacious or debauched, but they kind of like have a balance going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think it, that, maybe. It, it's funny you said, because that makes me think of uh, whenever the big tsunamis hit Japan, do you guys remember seeing how organized and how just like, Hey, yeah. we're in it for each other. Whenever, like, yes. I mean, these people lost their homes and they're patiently waiting yes, in lines to receive aid. Like, yeah. and that, now, and now like elderly folks are offering to go to the, like the, the no go zone and like clean up. Yeah. And take because care of shit because they they're like, they're fuck like, it, I don't have much life left. Yeah, yes. Like it's going to take fuck. 15 years for these tumors to fucking develop and, and kill yes. me anyway. I only got yes. that much time. So Next I might as level. well go and do that. Yeah. That's yeah. insane. That, that's it. And maybe, and then I, I would go so far to say is we even, I think we're seeing that. I talk to more and more people who are, and I'm about to get rid of my TV. Yeah. I've talked to more and more people that are just like, man, I got one TV. We've it's downstairs. We've had one TV I do not, for forever. I do not. Yeah. And you know, there was this time during the yeah. post plasma days where it was flat screens everywhere. There yeah. could be one. And even I think we're self-correcting, you know, we got to do it knucklehead way in America because we indulge and mm-hmm. we've got that hubris that, that Chris mentioned, but I, I, we may be getting some hints of that to cancel my Netflix because I don't like anything anymore. Yeah. I know I've done it to myself. It's just been an overindulgence of entertainment. I just stood up my Plex server. Did you buy that lifetime pass? For no, yeah, Plex, I've been paying like four dollars for Plex, Plex has evolved now, and I was, I was, I was happy to pay that after all the pirating I've done, you know. Yeah, so it's like a hundred bucks for a lifetime, and I was like, good for them. Uh, Plex, for people who don't know, is like open source uh, media player and content management that that I don't know just came from modifying Xboxes and making specialized software to use create a media center out of your Xbox. I don't know, it's just one of those open source stories that if you're from that heavy underground tech community you're mm-hmm. proud of because they went commercial but boy did they do it right you know what i mean yeah. they did like 20 years of here's them and then they finally and it's fair they've got their own little streaming and you pay a 100 bucks after all those years of a unmatched 
piece of software. Nothing could fuck with Plex. That's yeah. why it was so. Anyway, I bought that. And I've been watching this my own little content. Because, you know, I want to watch American Ninja right now. Yeah. I don't want to go find, you know, some. Yeah, man. I think I think maybe we'll be learning to to balance that thing we do. And yeah. And I think it'll maybe it'll happen in sports and everything as well, man. Do you think, though, with, um, you know, maybe this the the whole idea and the notion of the is it the tree burial? Is that what that is where they set your body into where you can oh, grow yeah. a tree? Well, you're in a pod. Yeah, and, you're in a pod. Like at the base of the root system of a tree. Yeah. And yeah. do you think that maybe that is a is a shift from, you know, this whole thing of owning space of if you want to call objectification and, and maybe yeah. it's like, Hey, let's figure out a way that we can help other people. Well, and it, and it's simultaneous. It serves that dual purpose because that tree then becomes, it, it a, provides a tangi- life. Well, and it's a tangible manifestation of that person. Mm-hmm. And instead of a gravestone, you've got a living fucking thing. And that not only that, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. And that living thing was nourished by yes. the, you know, the chemistry of decomposition, oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. Be- the final chemistry is Walt Whitman would refer yeah. to it as mm-hmm. um, that that offers a little bit, in my opinion, that's a that's a greater bit at immortality yeah. in the same sense that like um, an organ donor has like, you know, somebody's daughter may have passed away and her heart was used to save another like a young man's life. Then the father That's right. connects with the young man who received the heart transplant. Yeah. Here's the heartbeat. And for some reason, well, it, I think it's pretty obvious without even articulating it, it. It facilitates a feeling of connectedness and ongoing. Yeah. Um, a tree, again, is a living manifestation of yeah. of what that human used to be. And I think it's a good starting point. Yeah. I think it pacifies our need to be like to to feel like when we had an influence and we meant something, mm-hmm. but at the same time, it also remedies some uh, pretty much the totality of my gripe with having graveyards. Yeah. And so this makes me think of the charcuterie episode that I did. It was, it was only like three or four minutes long, but I, I called it a beautiful birth and it was, it was, it came on the the heels of the passing of someone of a person that I didn't even know, but I saw a lot of my social media feed was overflowed with just grief and stories and all that kind of stuff about that person. And I was, and what I said is that because I believe in the law of the conservation of energy, you guys under, like know that concept there and I'll just go ahead and read it. It says in physics and chemistry, the law of the conservation of energy states that the total energy of an isolated system remains constant. It's said to be conserved over time. This law means that energy can neither be created or destroyed. Rather, it can only be transferred uh, or transformed from one form to another. And I and I called it a beautiful birth because I do believe that humans, because energy is, is just, it's there and it's constant. It never goes away. All we're doing is being born into different phases. And so when you die, if you will, you're just born into another phase and being put in, I think that putting the, having a memorial for you is i think you're you're halting that process in my opinion because you're putting things in place that are that that will take life or make it harder for life to be there where you have this chemicals that are being put around this body and this body that's filled with chemicals and it's put in this enclosure that's made of chemicals and all this other shit you're just it's it's fighting it's It's fighting something so that's why so that's why i say put like i want to be made into a tree 
because that seems like the only way for my energy to be transformed. That into tree something. would be big as fuck. It will be. It'll have weak ass knees as well. <laughs> It'll need surgery. That's, that's <laughs> it's like, how's a tree born with a fucked up meniscus? You know, but yeah, that, that, that idea, it, it's still, it's, it's an aggressive kind of thing. It's, yeah. it's fighting. It's struggling to conquer and control yeah. and maintain control over it instead of cooperating. And yeah. fading into yeah. it and nourishing that's, the larger that's system. Really, that's really, really a beautiful clue. I mean, maybe maybe that's why the Western world who gave us our form of, of um, ceremony now, and that maybe that's why they, they haven't got there yet. Yeah. You know, they, they, again, going back to my old shtick about the current complex and stuff, being in an environment where loss was a big part of what shaped their psychology and the potential for loss. Yeah. You know, maybe it made that um, impulse of guilt at the loss of a tribal member uh, a little more pronounced. And therefore, they had to have a more pronounced ritual where in the communities where you saw, yeah. you know, the whole maze story. Mm-hmm. The Native Americans, you throw down a piece of fish. They're trying to demonstrate that from death comes life. You know, you, yes. got, you got two stalks of corn instead of one. And um Maybe you got to be around a while to see that, to yeah. witness it before you get it. But that's a really good point you just made, man. Um, yeah, um, absolutely. It has to be a a uh, demonstration or symptom of uh, a tear not reached yet. Yeah, that we still hang on like that. I that think we, that, or that we get big, those big expensive uh, concrete rooms or whatever. Yeah, they call that, it. that's mausoleums. <laughs> mausoleums. Is yeah. that a mausoleum? Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say that, but I thought. I didn't know if that was a mausoleum or if mausoleum was the whole area. Yeah. Those I, things. Yeah. That, th- that's kind of the same that thing the, going on. The amount of energy that the, that the universe started with, it's still the same amount of energy that yeah. exists there, like right now. Yeah. And that's why I'm just like, it, it can neither be created. And, and I yeah. also think that that's why, and this is not to, and, you know, again, I'm, I am very logical, but there are certain things that I cannot quantify. I feel like that is a, if you a, a byproduct of of energy neither being created or destroyed, I think that I, I was talking to my friend uh, on uh, the, the Jeremy who I did did an episode with last night. I was talking about how I can really weird be in some proximity of another person, be able to feel their essence or something like that, if that makes any sense. And all of a sudden, I fucking see them right there, you know. Um, I do think that the same thing happens when you, we die. I've, I feel like I can feel people that have passed before. And, and, and that's why in, in our culture, we, I think that we live through our stories, you know, we, and, and also in my name, we have seven names to remember those things right there. And I, and I don't want, I do think of it as part of my, part of my identity, like all these people helped shape to get to where we are. And I see myself as the dream fulfilled of my parents and and I see my children or, you know, anything as the dream fulfilled by me. And we just, and, and a dream is a, another form of energy and we're just passing energy down to each other. And I think that we are doing the wrong thing by treating people like Kobe, treating people like just any person like that object. The, the one person that, that I'm going to feel real bad about objectifying is Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like that's going to be like, because he's like my had, neat science person. I, I have don't this know. friend in college. You remember Dana? Yeah. That I dated in college? Yeah. We met her maybe. Beautiful. Time or two. Yeah. We we met like uh, same time, 2001. 
working in AFNI, having a great time, just young, like 19, 20, money, yeah. no no real obligations, early college, just, just that really sweet time. And uh, we, we had a lot of fun together. And uh, she, uh, Dana kind of was lucky. She was a tomboy, hung out with her cousins that were all dudes. And so that's why she was so likable and everyone just couldn't help but like kind of be attractive because she swaned, you know, mm-hmm. she just, she got pretty in college. Mm-hmm. So she didn't have that kind of, she just didn't think anything of it. You yeah. Know? Made it fun to be around, I think. And Dana, Dana had this thing where she didn't, she couldn't tolerate bullshit. Like nonsense bothered her. And I've met, had a couple of friends like that. And uh, she had this one friend <laughs> named Matretta. <laughs> I just, I love Matretta, man. But she would tell these tall tales, these crazy stories. And it would be the obvious kind of lies. And I've known lots of people like that in my life. Like, you know, oh yeah, I went over there and I had, you know, I got that new Corvette, but I had to leave it in Maryland where she was from. She would just tell these crazy stories, you yeah. know. And we've, I've had friends like that in yeah. it, would, I, it would make Dana so mad. And um, she would be almost like ready to fight her friend, but their friend, I think they may have even been sorority sister. I think Matreda, yeah. Matreda was a Zeta as well. And I don't know. I thought that was really funny, but I, I want, I thought like, you know, Matreda didn't have that thing going on that Dana had where everywhere you go, women and men are throwing themselves at you. Like, yeah, she was a lucky person, man, mm-hmm. you know, and charismatic and smart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Some people didn't have, Matreda was not ugly or anything, but she didn't have that thing, but you know, maybe she did that because she was feeling something, you know what I mean? And sure. maybe, maybe whatever that thing was she was feeling uh, for human being, it, we have several different types of those ga- gaps that can occur in our psychology and they are debilitating. Sure. Okay. I and, see where you're going. And the techniques we use to fill them to me are just fascinating. She made herself bigger mm-hmm. and prettier yeah. and more impactful because Dana would, would pull into that cul-de-sac and dicks would get hard on the block. She just was that kind of person. <laughs> I detect a woman, but yeah. if you ever met a professional, I don't want to say this in the same sentence as Dana, but if you ever made a person like that maybe was sexy for a living mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, I see, I see why. Yeah. I was reading this thing, or I heard this video one time when a guy talked about running into Carmen Electra. Carmen Electra wasn't like jump off the bridge pretty. She was just pretty, yeah. you know. Yeah. But he was like, oh, I see why she's a porn star. He didn't know that she was famous, but when he encountered her, it, some people have that crazy or well, the my energy. good friend, yeah, my good friend, she was one of those kind of people, man. Yeah. Like girls, even girls they weren't into girls. Yeah. Like everyone. And so what a what a lucky vibration to have. You know what I mean? That, and and uh, Matretta didn't have that. Matretta, but Matretta was fucking creative. And she would tell us, I'd be crawling on the ground laughing, Chris. Talking. She said she had this dude came over one time. I bought Dana a TV. Yeah. So she told the story of this big TV she had. And this was right when Plasmas had yeah. come out, 2000, 2004. She couldn't have had it. Yeah. She couldn't have owned one. Mm-hmm. But um, she had the big, deep kind of whatever those TVs are. Remember the big those box Those DLT ones? TVs. Yeah. No, those are the heavy ones. Yeah. The ones with the soft screen on them, the, the big projecting tube. That's a DLP. Oh, yeah. That's a DLP? Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Okay. Th- those joints. If you punched the it, it would break. Mitsubishi ones. Yeah. yeah. She had one of those. Rear and she projection. Said, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Rear projection was what I was thinking yeah. of. One of those televisions. It's like direct light projection or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, DLP. And yeah. if you See, if you lift your Super Nintendo Pulse for two hours. Yeah. So she talked about that one at her apartment in Garden Apartments. Yeah. And how she got rid of this dude. She didn't like him no more. Danny was asking about the ex. 
She's like, yeah, he quit. He ain't going to Western no more. And I had to whip his ass. He tried to drink milk. And Machetta said she kicked him into that TV. And she said the TV had the shape of his body like the cartoons do <laughs> where they go through the wall. And I'm I'm underneath the couch by now. I can't breathe. <laughs> and I come out to get air and look up. And Dana goes totally flushed. She's yeah. like, your complexion? And like gotten. So I was like, why do you care yeah. that she's lying? Yeah. What what does it matter? Look how look it's how, the creation of false energy. Well, well, she she just hey man, she could have been all curled up, depressed. Or so. What does it matter to you? Yes, yeah. she's completely because we dropped her off at home mm-hmm. is what was funny, and she had something that looked like this for TV, like <laughs> anything, whatever. And then and Dana was calling out about, it, and that's when we got into it. We got back in the car. You know, when you love someone, you see a dark side of them. You got. I, was like, I didn't like that about you. You know. Machetta's not like you. She, why would you pin her like that? Yes, yeah. she's lying. Why would you get in there? Like, Where's it? It's petty, catty yeah. shit, you know. Do you and think that's people, your friend, and it's your sorority sister. Why would you do that? Do you think people are going to do that with their memories and stuff of Kobe Bryant? Kind no, of create for what them? I'm what I'm what I'm saying what I'm saying to all these maniacs in this room. Yeah, of us intellectuals is human beings do that for a reason. Yeah, and we there are people that are not able to do what we are able to do with our minds and heal ourselves and project and bring happiness to us by identifying that fragmentation in my mind and eliminating it. So I don't have addictions. So I don't overindulge. So I don't need a mansion. That's incredible human capability. But I think that's like less than 1% human capability. Well, it's like driving a stick, man. (laughs) It's like fucking driving a manual. Like you exist. If you're taking ownership. Oh, I know what you're about to say. Yeah, Yeah, that's a good analogy. If you're taking ownership of all your shit and piecemealing it and working your way through it as it comes and being realistic about it, it's like driving a a stick shift versus a manual. Like car versus automatic. Well, I was going to say a a manual versus an automatic. Yes. It, oh. it is acquainting you, and it's exa- uh-huh. it sounds exhausting to a lot of people. And I guess it probably Shit, is. Exhausting. I think maybe yeah. it is. Yeah, people will say like like it's just draining. It's yeah. fucking draining. Yeah. A shortcut to that is vicarious experience, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we the whole model metaphor, whatever you call it, of Jesus is that it's vicarious redemption. Maybe someone else can redeem on my behalf because what it takes for me to be as good as I think I can potentially be. It's almost overwhelming, you know? Well, maybe maybe people do that with, like, basketball players and stuff, too, mm. to find a little bit of simultaneous escape and transcendence, like a little bit of eternity, because this guy is accomplishing something that's just, you know, really crazy, mm-hmm. like, like scoring a lot or doing something physically yeah. incredible or a musician that can play all the instruments. Maybe, maybe that's what we're doing. And in mourning them, we are celebrating, we are mourning that object that can, and that, to me, that's, 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 that's cool. Like we're mourning the severing of a connection of a tie to an object that we have. We, we're, it's the hero. It's the champion. We're experiencing eternity. When we see our champions, we oh, see the guy go fight when they're transcending. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When they're, when they're ah, that's that what, that's what we're that's talking. a good thing. That's yeah. a yeah. that's a good. I thought about that. That's like, interesting. Like when a champion falls. Yeah. It's I, more I, when the champion rises now. Well, he like represents. It, I don't know that part of our humanity well, that that we celebrate. You know. So just for a little bit, I get to do that vicariously through him, because I'm just a regular everyday human being. But just for a little bit. Um, I get to do that. And when he dies, I want to honor that as well. Now, the side effect of that, of that 
function, that mechanism in our psychology. Yeah. Well, I think we already really described that very well, you know, earlier or right when I got here. That's the side effect of it. Do you think, though, maybe. that now maybe part of the mourning process, and this is not just for for people like Kobe, but this is just any sort of loved one. Could there could part of the mourning process be like, okay, now that person, their ability to 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 do more in this life is done. And now the responsibility is shifted to me. And maybe we're mourning the fact that we don't have to do the work for we don't have to do or the work is now beginning for us to be able to maintain this memory or something like that. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Okay. So, all right. So if you, you have someone like a, like a legend, I I say they're now a legend in my Mm -hmm. opinion, because they're gone. Um, When you have someone that dies, like they're doing all the work. So it puts the onus on you and the the onus on you. Yes. Like you no longer have the luxury of looking to them as a manifestation. No, I think that's too separate. I didn't mean to make those separate. Personal death, like if a like a family member dies, mm-hmm. that's nothing to do. I'm trying to explain why we do what seems completely irrational and silly, that attachment to a celebrity that we okay. don't know. I think there's two things, two totally different things going on. Okay. Mourning someone that you knew, like a brother, sister, or a parent, that's a completely different thing right. than okay. celebrating the, you know, a celebrity that's and why we do that Chris Cornell thing. I know how some of his songs have made me feel. I don't know him at all. Yeah. Right. right. And I'm not. I'm not uh, working to help depression. I'm not doing all the no- any of the noble things I could be doing, but that's not what's going it's, on it's, when I'm uh, celebrating Chris Cornell. It's mourning really what somebody can do for you and your attachment to what they could do for you versus mourning a piece of yourself that you had invested into somebody mm-hmm. else. And I don't know as we we can paint it as nobly and selflessly and uh-huh. romantically as we want to i uh-huh. think inherently again it's always going to come back to something that impacts us on a chemical level it's mm-hmm. just what we do with it and again uh-huh. that those that mourning isn't ne- necessarily mutually exclusive mm-hmm. but just like uh-huh. that excerpt that fish love thing from the rabbi talking about like you didn't love the fish you love oh, yeah. yourself you love yourself so that's why you oh, ate yeah. the fish oh, it's yeah. it's when you find somebody that embodies something that either you look up to or fulfills one of your needs and then you invest part of yourself into that person you love that part of yourself that you put into that person and that's why they're they manifest they manifest this phantom limb thing mm-hmm. sometimes when somebody they may not even have passed they're just not in your life anymore mm-hmm. but it, it's it's such a profound fucking feeling because yeah. you put an enormous amount of your chips on on that you know on that particular individual and yeah. and and bust it you mm-hmm. got fucking bust it i think invariably in fucking variably and this is within the bounds of of the English language. Obviously, everything that we're doing is working yeah. with tools yeah. that are a, that are a construct of the human mind. So it's going to be imperfect, even conveying yeah. it as articulately yeah. Yeah, that's as right. possible. That's right. But uh-huh. I, I think if if we can use the English language, the framework of the English language, and then also use the framework of the human mind, yeah, it's it's okay to make an acknowledgement that there are uh-huh. a couple of different types. Multiple types of yeah. mourning and grieving. Sure. And, sure. and, and one, type, one type is more selfish That's than right. the other type. Is. That's right. That's right. I think of, uh, uh, because that, because that um, activity 
human activity is so interesting to me. I, I'm, I'm given to remember all kinds of different examples of fish love. There's this one, I think um, James Joyce is talking about a, a Zen expert where the pornography flower, you call it fish love. I wouldn't know what the short name is, but it's one where the guy's describing walking along a path and sees a beautiful flower mm, and love yeah. is to stop and observe it for a moment, but to pluck it and take it home and put it in a vase. That's what they, I think James Joyce called pornography, mm -hmm. but he was saying the same thing. What, what I'm, what I'm interested in is those deeper uh, mythologies and stories that celebrate the other part of that, how, what, what we're doing with, not maybe not in this instance with Kobe, but what human beings are also capable of is celebrating the gardener, hmm. the guy that has mastered providing flowers for everyone to enjoy. So when he passes away, I am I am <laughs> celebrating or mourning this transcendence, this mastery of something that for humans is a divine experience, but at the individual level may be a gross indulgence, right? Right. And yeah. so um, there's this another story in uh, Hinduism where the, this guy's in love with the girl and he keeps trying to court her and he keeps trying to court her. And she's just like, yo, you just having, you know, zeal and um, what's it called? Lust for me. And I'm just really not into that. Let's not waste each other's times. And then finally he comes around and she has um, she told him, like, oh, whatever, come back in a few days, you come back. And she's she's taking um, diuretics and stuff. Mm -hmm and filled these three beautiful vases with all her bile and vomit. Yeah. She just, she just like did whatever that bulimic thing is mm -hmm. for a few days. And she looks like an old withered lady. And she says to him, those substances is what made me look attractive to you. She's like mm. trying to draw the difference between, you know, yeah. so that's another story like that. And then the counterpart to that is like the Don Juan romanticist where we're not celebrating Though we're celebrating that undeniable zeal, that agape, that Cupid thing that humans also experience, yeah. where we know that we are victim to to this thing that that it drives, it starts wars, you know, it writes, it creates countries, you know. So that that's um, that's sometimes what I think is is going on. However, in the sphere of like Facebook, and I don't think you can get that that nuance yeah, and, and, yeah, I and i would and i would honestly just yeah. quickly like to maybe touch on the notion that i think mourning uh -huh. that has the empathy component to yeah. it yeah. like mourning that this individual like putting yourself in their shoes and mourning that individual mm -hmm. in terms of what they've been deprived of and and not yeah. to and i know as we're closing in on wrapping this up and not to end it on like a really fucking sad macabre note but like if we have when, to we will when when a parent loses a child, uh -huh. the mourning that's associated with that is one of I, overwhelmingly, unless somebody is uh -huh. doing like Munchausen's by proxy or some shit like yeah. that. Uh -huh. The mourning that's associated with the loss of a child is a very unnatural type of, of mourning. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not generally in this day and age, at least, it's not normal for a parent to not too terribly long ago in human history where people would have like 14 kids and like then like eight of them would die. Yeah. Like that wasn't yeah. an uncommon thing. So it might, that might've been a component of the human psychology mm -hmm. then, but it, it fundamentally isn't now. And honestly, I can't even, if I search myself, I can't imagine that that feel felt natural even then. Yeah. Um, but the mourning that's associated with the loss of a child, 
I can't, I can't, if, if I'm trying my hardest, which I can't put myself in those shoes, obviously completely, but I can't imagine that being as much of a selfish fucking component. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you do have those things because you no longer have the neurotransmitters that were released whenever you were interacting with that child, the oxytocin and yeah. all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we're hardwired, hard fucking wired to yeah. preserve that entity. Mm-hmm. And it, it fucks you up. You, you've, you've let that child down. You've done all this, but a huge component of that, an enormous component because a child hasn't had the opportunity to live a life is the deprivation of that individual going on and living more. That's why it's, that's part of why it's so fucking tragic. And perhaps, and perhaps is asked a 41 year old goddamn champion Mm -hmm. who is living his life, sitting on a fortune, doing his thing Mm -hmm. was very quickly stripped of, Mm-hmm. of the opportunity to keep experiencing things. Mm-hmm. And this is me being, I know relating a child's death yeah. is a very extreme end of the fucking spectrum. That, yeah. That's to illustrate where you have, have the selfless, the empathy based mourning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you were to really mourn somebody on the terms of uh, it, not being self-serving or something, a part of you or some shit like that, then I, I think it does ultimately come down to empathy and and taking on potentially the perspective of that individual or that individual's family, yeah, and yes. and, and what they're actually experiencing. A wife has lost a husband well, and her daughter. A thirteen-year-old was stripped mm-hmm. of the ability to experience it, and uh-huh. and and the world the world lost a champion at the same time. Yes. But arguably, again, according to if we're going to look at things on paper and fairness and empathy and all this, mm-hmm. the thirteen-year-old girl passing away is much more of a tragedy than a fucking champion that, that got to taste excellence and, and get more into those 41 years than most people will get in in a multiple hundred. lifetimes. Yes. Cumulative yeah. entire, yeah. entire communities of people yeah. won't experience the, the, those, those high highs and, and that, that pressure and delivering under pressure and, just it's not fathomable mm-hmm. the high stakes that's associated mm-hmm. hence, with that. Hence, hence why champions are, are I think a necessary and special instrument. Oh, you yeah. know, we get to do it vicariously, and it's that which we're missing. You know, right. yeah. And then, and then obviously, it is, it is selfish. Well, and and when somebody that that's the that's the duality of it. There is that we lost a champion, a champion fell, but at the same time, an individual that got that got to live their life for the most part on their terms, and got to live a good life and be that champion, passed away. Still within the bounds of excellence, um, I think that there's a there's an element to that that can be celebrated. There's not an element to a child dying that can be celebrated. Yeah. There's an element to yeah. an 85, 95, 105 year old individual living a decent life yeah. and passing away because you're like, hey, they fucking did yeah, that they shit. Did everything. They fucking did that shit. And who's to say you can't do that shit by forty one? Yeah, it's true. All right, do we have any sort of shameless shoutouts or closing remarks or anything like that? Well, I in closing again, I I think that anytime you get this slightest inclination, um, towards feeling loss, towards feeling anything, um, it's a gift, and it it sh- it can be utilized if if you so choose. It can be utilized as a moment, of, uh, a pivot point, 
uh, an opportunity to gain clarity. That's sure. all. That's all I can really contribute. I sure. guess at the very end. Mark, do you have anything? Sorry. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it really goes back to. Is there music playing? Is that? Yeah, I don't know what's. It's probably from the other room. But for me, it's it's a, a putting a focus on the fact that, and just like I said earlier, that energy can neither be created or destroyed. It does move from one phase to another, and I do think that where we are with with kobe is just another phase it's just a, it's a change in 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 his state and i think that if we were to take that type of that type of mindset it would then allow us to have more empathy on the people who are dying all the time the homeless people the people who are in poverty these people that are suffering and dying from multiple diseases if we think of the amount of of like we need to be better about taking care of of all types of energy and stuff like that. And, and I think that maybe this will give us some kind of perspective. If we, if we take that view that stance that I take on it and, and we should say like, Hey, let's, let's live, a, let's try and put people in the opportunity or put people in the position to live a life worth mourning. There is something wrong in my opinion that, that I don't give as much of a shit about some people dying at a restaurant two nights ago than a basketball player. And I, and I hate to minimize it like that, but I, I do think that, that, that all, all the lives are, they have the potential. Everyone does have the potential to do something great. And I don't know where it is or how I can fix it, but I, I do want to say that I'm going to try from here on out to try and be more mindful of the life that does surround me and understand that, that, uh, to, to try and make more of an impact. Well, and, and, and working off of that, I'll go ahead and I'd like to announce again, we're going to be volunteering mm-hmm. at Empty Bowls yes, yes. at the Sloan Convention Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, I don't know if you'll be able to make it or not. It's um, from, uh, I think, my our shift. We stay generally the whole time. Yeah, we stay which, the whole time. Which time. It, usually it doesn't take that long because we just knock it out and get yeah. it done. But um, it's from... Um, our shift is from five to seven. I'm not exactly sure when the doors open. I'll give more details, you know, next podcast or whatever, but February 18th Sloan convention center, empty bowls come out. There'll be a lot of handmade pottery, Mm -hmm. cool stuff. It's a good cause. You'll help put food in somebody's belly, a roof over somebody's head. Um, a, a fair bid at facilitation and pointed being pointed in the right direction. So, uh, Kalu and I will definitely be there. I'm a, I will check with Mark, see what his schedule is looking like, and I might have uh, a, another warrior or two with me. That's cool. Before we get into shameless shout outs, I do want to uh, recognize our, our first sponsor. Um, so um, are you a member of the and that sponsor is uh, uh, Patch Junkie. They're based out of Delaware and they've been really awesome. Uh, Jay is the owner. Uh, he's been fantastic to work with. And so um, that is our sponsor. I'm very excited for the stuff that uh, that he's been working or that he's going to be doing for us and with us and, and the things that we'll be able to do together. So thank you so much, Jay, for everything. Uh, I don't know how to properly do anything. As well, far and as again, the that is patch junkie. Yes. And he's out here slanging fly stuff. Yeah, yeah. I think the man has the ability to pretty much produce Create anything. Yeah. Produce yeah. whatever kind of thing yeah. that you can envision and do it meticulously, yep. sharply yep. And, and in a concise manner. So if like if you're a member of the military or if you're a fan of just 
uniquely made items or if you just like to collect shit, um, I want to be able to, again, bring bring attention to Patch Junkie. So uh, they are based out of Delaware and Patch Junkie is an Etsy shop that sells uniquely designed patches. Their stock includes everything from military style morale patches to designs that reference popular culture. They also sell uh, patch related stuff like patch mats and patch bags to stick your patches to. So if you go on their website, enter the promo code Salumist for 10% off of your order. So please go and check them out. That is www.patchjunkieshop.com. Again, we are going to be working with them to get some patches made. I'm just, I'm fucking pumped to be able to really collaborate with more businesses. And I said it on the episode that I did with Jeremy, but man, uh, Jay wrote something just absolutely just heartwarming to me for real. Uh, and and he just spoke very highly of what we're doing with this podcast. And like I was telling Jeremy that I was at the gym when when I got the notification that he posted something and my ass was getting like emotional in there, man. You know, in times at least my stake in the Salimus podcast is not to gain a shitload of followers or anything. It's for me to have said one thing or just one thing that this Salimus did to be able to help one life, one person to be able to do something even more badass than we could ever do. If it is the, if what we do can make someone think on a different level or, or to, to talk them off the ledge or something like that, then in my opinion, my fucking work is done. And, and I just hope that what we're doing is having an impact. And so I was very thankful to get that message from Jay. So once again, if you do want some custom, uh, custom patches and stuff like that, go to patchjunkieshop.com. Uh, do, oh. Now we can jump into our well, shameless and, shout out. And obviously I got to give a shameless shout out to Tyler Young at Grade 8 Performance. He's just set the um, was world it, record. 90 kilogram in yeah. the 90 kilogram category. Yeah. World record for a uh, Mauser box. Yeah, it's uh, crazy. Oh, which is one of the most unforgiving fucking implements in all of Strongman. Yeah. But um, what was the number? Star on there. I, look, I, like, I, I don't want to denigrate him. Uh, I, I want to say it, it, maybe off the top of my head, 265 pounds. But this is a unforgiving, yeah. po- pointy edged metal locker, basically, that you had load up with weights and then you bring up to to shoulder. And then this motherfucker pressed it out and made it look good. But mm-hmm. he's a world record holder now. And also small business owner, father. um, I, I would say friend, more like a brother, but yeah. I've I finally uh, bit bit the bullet, dedicated myself uh, full time to his programming. So I'm going to be taking one of his coaching spots. That's cool. Yeah, that's um, really cool. And so uh, I don't know if he's going to have any more open up. I'm sure in, in the future you'll have people to drop off, yeah, and, yeah. or he'll have openings come available. But, but I went ahead and did it, and um, you know I've 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 experienced you know some of his coaching in the past, but. Tomorrow, uh, my program starts. I'm super cool. excited about that. Also, Doing his stuff is what helped me hit 405, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and it, it contributed to my strength. Well, he's game. sadistic, but yeah. the thing is, like, he'll put you in this realm where you're like, well, I can do more weight than this. And mm-hmm. by the time you're done with the workout, you're like, I see why he didn't want me yeah. to be residing in that realm because you know what? It takes incremental increases in order to build something fucking massive. You can't just skip steps. So it it very much underscores that. Shout out to Grade 8 Performance and Tyler Young. Do you have any, Mark? Any shameless shout outs? I don't think I have any shameless shout outs this time. All right, sweet. Well, guys, I do hope you all found found value in this. Obviously, there's going to be tons more to develop from the story of uh, Kobe Bryant. But what I do hope that you guys gathered is that there's so much more to the 
to the topic than than you might think. And I hope that we did that properly. I feel like we did. Um, again, I did do an episode with uh, with Jeremy Mac McDonald yesterday. It's a part of our Find Your Fucking Thing series. Um, I'm likely going to release both episodes at the same time. It was like a double header type of thing. I just want people to be able to listen to as much content out there. Another thing that I did with him is that I did give him a microphone to just go and like, just if you ever feel like you want to be able to talk about something, just put it out there, send something to us. Cause what I've said before in previous episode is that I want people to understand that the Salumas is more than just the three of us in here. And it's all about the process of putting yourself through the grinder. So if you have it in you that you want to be able to sit with yourself not in yourself but with yourself and be able to point yourself out or point out your beliefs or any sort of thing and put that shit through the grinder we would love to be able to document that because the world does need more of that hashtag get grounded get grounded oh oh my fucking god i like that that's really good yeah get grounded yeah submit submit the the short um thing of whatever you want to submit about your beliefs or your perspective on something that yeah we'll put you through right? and then you oh, can be a guest okay. yeah and there's some entente to it too yeah. it's like ground yourself like yeah no tv for your bitch ass like you need to go and sit <laughs> like with that. yourself not like in that. yourself like think that. about what you did yeah ground yourself get ground all right all right i can roll with that all right guys everyone have an awesome week uh please listen or uh, follow us on instagram that's at the Salumas podcast Hit us up on Facebook. Just find the Salumas podcast on there. Go to our website at www.thesalumas.com. Add slash podcast if you want to see the list of all the different content that we have there. We also have merch that you can buy up there. I Now that I have the Get Grounded thing, I do want to try and come up with a, with a shirt that I think uh, would be really, really cool. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be it for you guys. Uh, be safe. Enjoy yourselves. Do something nice for someone this week. And we are out. Peace.